hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hey, and welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast, an adulting advice podcast production. I'm Danny Sheriff, and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back. I am here with Meg Doll, <laughs> who just before this call said, I don't know how my dog is going to behave, but we'll see. And she's released her first bark, but I think it's going to be fine. <laughs> welcome to the show, Meg. <laughs> Let's hope she behaves for us. I'm sorry if she doesn't. It probably bothers you more than it bothers anyone else. It really bothers me. <laughs> Uh, all good how are you today I am great I'm super honored to be on the show being interviewed by you because wow like what a journey this whole HA thing has been for both you and I and I think at the beginning of our journeys like would we ever imagine that we're on this you know 
incredible podcast called the HA podcast. (laughs) I really got that search engine optimization name down. Crushed it. It yeah. probably should have been like how to solve hypothalamic amenorrhea podcast or something, but it's still going to be good. It's just too many words. You should see me how many times a day I have to type that full word out. Yeah. This title doesn't need to be any longer. Well, I'm excited that you're here. And so, yeah, it's so cool that your path got to cross with mine and I'm having like my third podcast with you at this stage, um, but it's going to be great. And you're definitely my first choice for talking about as a nutritionist and from a like mindset, spiritual point of view. So on this show, I'm chatting with registered dietitians, nutritionists, fun- functional therapy Functional nutrition therapy practitioners, like they keep adding a word onto that. Um, Health coaches, exercise physiologists, like different perspectives from all the different health and wellness uh, professions and just chatting with people from all those different perspectives in the hopes that not only does everyone learn a little bit more every time and feel a little bit more encouraged that they're on the right track every time, but they also get an idea of maybe even what approach or who they could work with that would be best for them and their needs. So that's the goal. Well, again, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Well, with that, tell us exactly who you are, what you do, and how you are entangled in this world. Yeah. So I am McDoll and – I started off, so my journey really starts with a history of anorexia, and that kind of put me into the world of studying nutrition, going to university. I actually studied dietetics in university, and then at the end of my degree, I just realized that I really wanted to continue learning and that... I was very much interested in like the holistic approach to health. And what I mean by that is I really wanted to understand like how food really worked within my body, you know, coming from a history of mental illness, I wanted to learn how I could really use food to support my body. So that's what I mean by um, being really interested in like the holistic world of food. So I started studying holistic nutrition and I became a registered holistic nutritionist in 2014. And I started my practice from there. And just because of my history I was always working with women um, with eating disorders or like have a history of eating disorders and then found themselves in like this kind of quasi recovery or a just still a disordered eating place in their life. So I really love um, working with women because I've totally been there um, for many years of my life, actually. And then just in 2018, I it came to this realization, I kind of had that one of those wake up moments that so many of us have um, throughout our health journeys. And I was no longer I no longer identified with an eating disorder. I did not have an eating disorder, but I did not have my period. 
And I knew that that was not something that was good, that, you know, um, it's not normal to not have a period. And what really freaked me out, Danny, is that I had gone so many years, it was actually 12 years. I had gone 12 years of my life without a period. And what freaked me out was the fact that I knew it wasn't normal to have a period, but because I had gone for 12 years without a period, it actually started to feel normal for me to just not have a cycle, right? And that freaked me out. And I was like, okay, I need to take things seriously and do what I need to do to get my period back. And so that's really what um, really landed me to where I am and um, kind of, like you said, entangled me in this HA world. And when I decided that I wanted to work towards getting my period back, I also came across the certification for a certified spiritual coach. And it was really pulling me in. Um, One of my favorite women, Jessica Flanagan, was the founder of this institute that was offering the certification. And for years, I knew that at some point, I wanted to be mentored or taught by Jessica. And so I began my journey of becoming a certified spiritual coach through Jessica. And it was a year-long course, and through that year, I actually ended up getting my period back, and it really allowed me to go deep within myself and kind of how I say come fully back home to myself and really heal spiritually um, and energetically, like heal the parts of me that I had never healed before um, when I was overcoming eating disorders and disordered eating. So prior to discovering your interest or your desire to become a spiritual coach, what action steps had you taken at that point to try and recover, if any? To recover from HA? Yeah. I So I was never, ever um, fully committed. I had never gone quote unquote, all in. I think we're all very familiar with the term of all in. Maybe we're not though. Because while I still figure out, because even though I had, we had Nicola Renardi on the show, I didn't want her to dive too deep into exactly into the nitty gritty because like people can get the book. But I do think it's important for us to just bring it up every so often, every few episodes, because I think it's going to come up every time. I think this would be a great opportunity to tell people what all in is. Sure. Um, All in's kind of what it sounds like, honestly. (laughs) But basically, it's just like no limits, no restrictions, no rules, no structure. But it's really allowing yourself to fully eat when you're hungry, like no breaks. And according to Dr. Rinaldi, um, a minimum of 2,500 calories a day and very little exercise, um, no high intensity or like intense exercise, 
Um, that would be what I would say is all in. Um, But I had never, you know, and being consistent with that. I think that's important to say, right? Is actually being consistent with that, not doing it. It's easy to be like, today I'm all in. And then the next day you freak out and you go the other way. No, like you have to have been all in every day for a significant period of time. Yes. Yes. And like in my case, a year, right? I I did that for an entire year before actually getting my period back. And I know we'll probably talk more about that. But of course, through before I, in 2018, before that moment of being like, wow, okay, I am so ready. Like, I know I need to do this. And before going all in, there were definitely many times throughout my journey where I was like, wow, hmm, I don't have my period. I know I need to do something about this, right? But it was always coming, and this is really interesting, and I think it'll, it's important for our listeners to know this. Every single time I, like, approached my HA in the past, like, prior to going all in, I was always coming from this place of, like, trying to fix myself or seeing myself as, like broken in some way, you know, I was lacking in some way. Whereas the difference between all those times and the time in 2018, when I was like, wow, okay, I'm just going all in. um, I really wanted to approach it differently. And I didn't come from a place of I need to change myself or fix myself or I'm lacking, I'm broken. And that's really significant because I know a lot of women do come from that mentality and they do see themselves as lacking or broken or that they need fixing. And I can guarantee you that when we shift our mindset and when we shift the place that we're coming from, everything can change for us. I really like how strongly you identify with the with the inner healing part so you had not really been able to see the progress you needed to see because you were really set on the fact that something was wrong with you and I think this is important a lot of people will resonate with this because the type of personality that comes with HA is the type of personality who like identifies with being perfect And a lot of us get into this situation because we're so determined on like perfecting our health, right? And unfortunately, we just get a little confused and we think that health equals being smaller or, you know, eating really clean and all of these misconceptions about what wellness and health really is. So when HA or all in or half in or whatever isn't working it's like that that's really challenging our belief that we're doing everything right and I talk about this a lot in some of the other episodes too but like you it's almost a cult-like belief that restricting food eating certain food groups blah 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 is like the right way and when that's questioned it's very confusing it's offensive to our belief system and we immediately go from thinking we're doing everything right to we're broken and we're doing everything wrong. And I'm still curious how you managed to differentiate 
in your own head like I'm not broken I'm just like what I don't I don't know (laughs) help me (laughs) yeah yeah and I do want to put that in words so like I said in the past I was always coming from this place and I think energetically we can feel like when we feel as though we need fixing or that we're broken or we're lacking right like that's a feeling. Um, you can feel how that feels in your body when you approach a situation and you're doing something because it's kind of like knowing your why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we hear that a lot is like um, knowing your why is like an entrepreneur or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And so in the past, my why was always kind of like, well, I'm broken, I'm not working, I need fixing. So this is why. I need to do this. And because I approached HA recovery like that in the past, it was always very uncomfortable. Um, I felt very like resistant to it. It didn't last. I wasn't consistent with it, right? But when we come from a place of loving, and that's what I teach all of my clients to do, when we come from this place of loving ourselves, everything changes like energetically like I'm sure as I'm even talking about this you can feel that shift from coming from a place of lack or from a place of fixing yourself and then switching that over to what if you approach this because you loved yourself or out of love for yourself right you don't need fixing. You're not broken. You're not lacking anything. You just need more loving. And so that's how I approached my HA recovery journey the final time to actually get my period back. Does that make sense? That does. It really started to click towards the end. So it's not necessarily that you're not, yeah, you're not focusing on the fact that you're broken or something's wrong. You're literally just giving yourself more, more mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, you're like watering the plant and give, giving yourself the water. It has everything it needs in the, in the soil. It's just needs some water. <laughs> yeah. So here's another way to kind of think about it, right? So in HA recovery, most of us need to learn and come to accept the fact that we need to be eating more food, right? And in the past, when I was like, approaching it from a place of fixing myself, it'd be like, okay, well, I have to, I have to eat potatoes with this meal, or I have to add more to this meal, because I'm not getting my period back, and I'm trying to get my period back. And it was very negative. It felt like a big struggle bus for me. You know, it was something I had to do. But then when I came from when I ditched that mentality, and came from this place of like, you know, I'm not going to approach it that way anymore. My body actually needs more food to thrive. And this is like, this is what's going to make me feel better. And this is coming from a place of love, like I want to fuel my body properly. That was a huge shift for me, right? Rather than the past mentality. But yes, I love how you kind of put it before as well. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's so much. And you mentioned your clients and 
that this is a, a big piece of what you work on with them. So it makes sense, right? Eating and resting is technically easy. And we've talked about this before as well. It's the mental part that's hard. It's the spiritual part that takes the most work to be able to allow yourself to do the easy part. So, I mean, tell me more about what you do with your clients and what your practice is. Yeah. So like I said, I became a certified spiritual coach, but I think um, being spiritual or spirituality or even the term spiritual coach means a lot of different things for people, right? I was recently talking to someone and (laughs) it's kind of funny. They were like, they found out I'm a spiritual coach and they were like, oh yeah, I really want to get more into like tarot cards and card pulling and stuff like that. And I was like, "Mm, that's really not what I do. (laughs) You know, um, I pull my like Oracle cards for myself every morning just to kind of see like, I have the wild unknown deck, right? So I pull a little like card, see what animal I pull every day. And it it's fun. It's like a morning ritual for myself, but that's not the type of spiritual coach I am. So I really appreciate this question from you just to clarify. So there's a lot of different ways that we can heal, right? Um, there's a lot of different type of like, therapy approaches. I'm not a therapist, but through the institute that I became a certified spirit, spiritual coach through, um, the, the way that we help our clients um, self-heal is through self-forgiveness and consciousness. So what that means, and you and I talked about this in a previous episode on your on your yeah. other podcast, um, really, it's all about the misunderstandings that we made at, in our childhood or as children, right, in our past. What types of misunderstandings did we make about our body, about food, about us, um, anything that's related to HA and the way you see yourself today, um, we weren't conditioned to hate our body or we didn't enter the world hating our bodies, right? We were conditioned. Um, We created these misunderstandings that led us to where we are today that cause us to have these like really funky relationships with our body or unhealthy relationships with food. And what I do is I help my clients get to the root of those funky relationships with food and their body and help them break through um, those unhealthy behaviors and thoughts about themselves and food through self-forgiveness, through consciousness and self-awareness practices. So that's what I do. And it's really transformative work. Like I said, I mean, my very first eating disorder, so I battled anorexia two times in my life and orthorexia. So I've had three eating disorders in the past. And every single time I went through eating disorder recovery, never was this work included in my recovery. So I can kind of look back now and be like, wow, no wonder I was like relapsing all the time because I actually wasn't getting to the root of my problem, Mm -hmm. you know? 
Yeah. Okay. I love this. So it's like so many of our hangups and how we got here is just rooted from experiences so long ago. And we could go and heal our, our HA by eating more and resting less and eating, eating more and resting more. But I mean, imagine doing that, but not fixing or working on per se on your dysfunctional thought processes. So you're like the same mind with the same beliefs and the same value systems based on these weird values and beliefs that you got as a five-year-old or 10-year-old or 16-year-old based on these like strange events that happened that you were too young to even like have control or process and you're allowing those to drive your feelings later in life and your values later in life so if you fix your you know health issues but you don't fix your beliefs and your values and you don't forgive yourself or others for what you went through when you say it like that yeah it kind of doesn't make sense that you wouldn't that you wouldn't try to work on those things at the same time in order to create a lasting results in order to accept what like to work through what's happening right now and to make sense of it all like it makes sense on so many levels Mm -hmm. yeah definitely I mean it's like you know with my holistic nutrition brain right if someone has like a gut imbalance or something and we just tell them oh just like eat a bunch of probiotics and you're you're going to start like having better bowel movements. It's like, okay, but what was the cause of an imbalanced gut flora in the first place, right? So let's get to the root cause so it doesn't happen again. It's just um, hard for a lot of people because they want like this tangible thing. And it's also hard for a lot of people, especially some listening might even raise an eyebrow still where it's like my feelings just can't be related to like, they just can't be physically manifesting within me, mm-hmm. but they totally can. Mm-hmm. It's so ridiculously true. And the further you deep, de- the further you dive into how your emotions can manifest physically. I mean, like you see it every day. If you think so- if if you think something is funny, you laugh. It's a physical reaction to a feeling you're having. So why wouldn't the same thing happen in other ways? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't thought of that before until just this second. (laughs) Big girl. (laughs) Okay. So I want to give you a hypothetical to help people understand a little bit more about how they might work with you if they came to you presenting HA symptoms. So maybe they, they know they don't have a period and that's the only symptom they've got for you. So it could be one of many things, but what are the first things that you take a client or a potential client through yeah for sure so if someone and again like all clients are different right I think everyone every single one of my clients that comes to me everyone's at a different place um some of us are like so intuitive and we know exactly what our problem is but we you know reach out to someone and we kind of almost need like that someone else telling us like that confirmation from someone else. So it is important that I let you know that I do approach all my clients differently. But if all I really know about a client that's coming to me in this hypothetical situation, and they just don't have a period, um, the 
really we we lose our periods most often um, due to just too much stress. And most commonly that too much stress equals too little food and over-exercising. So what I would um, chat with my client about is, you know, what is their intake like? Um, Do they... Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing and these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even we have created a checklist it's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery and it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery so to get the checklist all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you you can print it off And you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there. Feel like they're following any diets or do they, you know, self-impose some restriction on themselves do they have a history of eating disorders or disordered eating that's really important even if they don't identify as someone with an eating disorder anymore or even if they don't identify as someone like struggling with disordered eating anymore that still could, if it was part of their history, that could still um, be playing a role in their life just as it was mine, right? Because um, our body doesn't get to this place where it's feeling like super, super nourished and safe because we never like fully allowed that to actually happen. So definitely like looking at that aspect of things and then also what their movement or training or exercise routine is like and how intense or what exactly it looks like, right? Because everyone's different. For me, it was very much the food thing. I majorly needed to increase what I was eating, but the way I was moving my body really didn't need to change all that much. But for some other people, it's 
completely opposite. They're eating a really great amount of food, but their exercise routine is just um, totally, um, you know, overkill and going above and beyond what their body can tolerate. So those are definitely the first two things that I look at. And once we identify what they are dealing with, um, you know, my clients and I, like I said, every client's different, but usually that deeper um, work that you and I were talking about before, that comes afterwards once we kind of start working through things together yeah you like paint a picture of their life where this is stemming from I guess okay so if you have uh somebody who has like a physical energy deficiency right so they're like physically exerting their body regularly with a lot of exercise maybe a bit of underfueling, and then you have somebody who is just super stressed in their life and so they're like in an emotional energy deficit what's really the difference if you even know like do you deal with them both pretty similarly or would they have very separate protocols no girl stress is stress right so but if someone's more of like that emotional stress and someone's more of the physical stress of course the changes in their life are going to look different right so the person that is exercising a lot maybe they're running every single day miles on miles every single day we're gonna want to dial that back um extremely And then the other person we're going to look at and see how we can really address that emotional and mental stress that they're dealing with. But what I do want to make clear is that stress is stress, right? Um, We really, we have this tendency in our world to really like write off that mental and emotional stress. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm resting a lot and I'm not really working out. The stress can't be an issue for me, right? But they're really mentally and emotionally stressed. And I've seen it with many of my clients when they're able to, you know, really address and support themselves and release that mental and emotional stress that they're dealing with. I've had a lot of clients get their period back from that without changing like the exercise component because Mm. that's not the area of their life that was stressing them out okay so there's a lot of people listening who are going to be like yeah that's me and maybe I would be like that as well because I'm like look I'm in this quote-unquote normal size body I'm a healthy like weight for my height blah 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 blah. Um, I don't feel I don't feel like I'm that stressed which is me. I never like feel that stressed, but I still don't have period. So I wanted to kind of clarify as well, how would someone personally, if they even can identify like which category they fall into? Is there any like self-diagnosing tips between like, am I physically or am I emotionally draining myself? Which like side of the spectrum am I swaying more to? Well, I do think in that situation, we'd actually have to look at your like physical activity, right? Like, are you doing physical activity? 
Mm. Right? Yeah. Like can't just objectively ask yourself, are you doing it? Yes, no. Okay. Yeah, because some people literally have to full stop their exercise routines for a period of time so their bodies can feel safe enough. And I think that's another important place for me to remind you that this is temporary, right? Um, I'm not saying that you would have to completely stop all exercise for the rest of your life. Movement is so important. But for healing, it's not always the best thing for us to heal. And it's temporary, right? And we just kind of have to look at like what's most important to us is getting our period back most important or is it going to the gym every day or going for a run every day? Like what's most important to you? You know, in the end, mm-hmm. what is most important to you? And to me, getting my period back every single month for the past year is like so awesome. And I wouldn't change anything, you know? Um, So that's kind of what I would have that person, you know, if they're sitting there and are like, well, I'm not really sure if I'm more emotionally stressed or physically stressed from exercise. If they're doing any type of exercise and they're still not getting their period back, I would really challenge them to just stop and let's see what changes we see from there. I love it. So you're definitely a support person for a client by the sounds of it. It's like depend meeting them where they're at really depends on the person, really depends on their specific situation and where they're exerting themselves as to like what their protocol should be, which is cool, which is cool. So let's talk about then someone who's in the middle of their journey and they're on struggle street because it's very up and down and like every day. Good days, bad days, okay days, repeat. And I want to talk specifically body image because I just think it's like one of, if not the biggest roadblock to people recovering. Without the body image issue, this would be way less of a topic. So if someone's having a negative body image day during recovery, what is like a tip or two or a perspective shift or something that you like to share that can help people work through just like the day-to-day grind? Yeah, I really love this question. And I think like the best thing that I can say in this episode that would actually give women something to like walk away with and really think about is like how much of your recovery, like how, how much of this are you making about your body? And I say this often, but I really do think that's what allowed me to really go so like gracefully or like flowy throughout my HA recovery is because I didn't make it about my body, right? We, I see so many women like getting so hung up on how much they weigh, how their clothes are fitting, how they look in the mirror. And it's like, but what if you just didn't make it about that? What if you just made your HA recovery about getting your period back? And like, whatever happens to your body happens. You know, our our energy goes where our focus goes or whatever the saying is, right? So it's like, if you're focusing on your body so much, like that's constantly what you're going to be 
like where your energy is going to be going towards and you're always going to be focusing on your body. So I would ask how much of this journey are you really making about your body and how much of it are you actually making about just getting your period back and getting healthy again? right? Like what's that ratio? And I would bet that if you're really struggling with body image issues, you're probably putting a lot of focus on what's happening to your body, right? Because if that's not where you were focused, then it really wouldn't be much of an issue for you. Having said that, even though I did not make my HA recovery journey about my body, yeah, There were still days where I was like, oof, like I am so uncomfortable today. I just like don't even know what to do, right? We are going to have those days. But when you make it about getting your period back versus what's happening to your body, those days are going to be really, really minimal like I experienced. Yeah, it's like less of them. (laughs) Way less of them, girl. Like honestly – I I loved HA recovery. I look back at like pictures because I was very open about it on Instagram. And I look back at that year of going through HA recovery because it was a whole year for me. And I was like, wow, that was such a great year. Like it was just, I really enjoyed it. It wasn't like this super uncomfortable year where all I can think about was struggling with my body because I never made it about my body, right? So a lot of women step on the scale. Girls, you need to stop doing that. Mm -hmm. I did not do that one time. I did that before HA recovery and right when I got my period back just because I really wanted to see like what I accomplished that year. And as a practitioner, I kind of wanted that knowledge or that data to know like what some of my clients might need to do, right? I wanted to know what I had to do in order to fully heal. Um, So don't step on this scale throughout recovery. And also like how much time are you spending in the mirror? Honestly, how much time are you spending in front of the mirror? A lot yeah, you're going to have body image issues for sure. Um, And then also your clothes. Okay. This is a big one. (laughs) If your clothes are making you feel super uncomfortable, yeah, you're going to feel uncomfortable and you are probably gaining some curves and your body's feeling a little different. And so the clothes from before might not be feeling the same way as they did before. So, I mean, I wore a lot of, I started wearing like Scott's clothes, just like baggier clothes. And that's okay. Just make sure you're comfortable. And if you're not, like I work from home, right? You and I are sitting at home in our home offices right now. Mm. It doesn't really matter what I wear at work. But if you are in an environment where you do need to dress nice for work, go out and buy yourself a little bit of a new wardrobe that's actually comfortable because like we are living living in these vessels that are our bodies and I think that's like part of self-care is like dressing ourselves nice um so we feel really good about ourselves you know 
We deserve to feel good in our bodies. And part of that is like wearing clothes that actually allow us to feel comfortable. Yeah, I took that step. So I can definitely attest to just getting like flowy, comfortable things that feel good. But even still, like then I found that in my bigger body, baggy clothes didn't suit me because sometimes baggy clothes do the opposite of making, of hiding things. So I started like embracing the tighter, the tighter stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you just you like power pose it, right? You just walk with the good posture and people aren't thinking, oh, she let herself go or something like whatever it is you have in your head that people are saying, you know, they, they don't, it's, it's really people worry about you when you start to look sick. So just sit with that for a sec. Now I want to know why, if you can share, if you even know the answer to this, but like, what, what made you share all of this? I think it has to do with what my parents told me. Remember, everything that we do and think about ourselves today all has to do with childhood and like what we were told as children, right? And when I experienced my first eating disorder when I was 10 years old, I really didn't like naturally, I really didn't have a problem sharing about it, you know? Um, I had some family members, like I'm an only child, so not my mom and dad, but like other family members that were kind of like awkward around it. And I was just kind of like, why are they so like weird around this? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's okay to talk about. I was never like ashamed about it. Um, But when I was growing up, there was a couple other girls that were clearly struggling with an eating disorder when I was going to, when I was in elementary school. And my parents just encouraged me, you know, like, maybe you should talk to her just so she knows that you went through the same thing. And they were always just encouraging me to be really open about my story because what they would say is like, you never know who you're going to help someday. And I think that always like stuck with me. And I mean, I'm just an open book. You know me. <laughs> like, um, I've been sharing my story. I've been like blogging since you know, back when blogging was actually like a cool thing to do Monday through Sunday, like I used to be one of those bloggers. And I was just always sharing my story. So I think when it came to me getting my period back, and also I'm like the queen of having weird conversations, you know, like normalizing conversations that aren't normally had. Mm -hmm. And so it's like who, there's not many of us talking about not having a period and like gaining Mm -hmm. weight and getting our period back and what that is and embracing like our curves and stuff like that. Those are all conversations that not a lot of women are having these days. And I love having conversations like that and just um, creating that opportunity for other women to start thinking a new way. So I think that's, you know, why I share my story as openly as I do. Love it. And I just resonate with so much of that as well. I wasn't raised like you were to share my story. It was more of like a um, a brave, do something differently moment for me. But I mean, it just opens so many doors when you're willing to share, even about this kind of thing. And one of the reasons why I ask, besides the fact that I'm just asking everyone, because I want people to know the, the benefits of sharing your story, which is right now, HA is such a 
non-talked about conversation that it just needs awareness so it needs people to talk about it two it's like ridiculous that it's taboo I just doesn't make any sense and three I got a dm today from a girl who had a long question to ask and she basically was like I've been doing everything right you know I'm eating the things I'm not doing all of the things and I still don't have pure back like can I get some advice and I actually asked her like hey this is a really good and super common question would you be down to come on the podcast and like we'll talk about this with you because it will apply to so many people and basically my advice was going to be like you haven't looked into nutrient deficiencies yet and potentially haven't done the inner work so it's like easy question to answer at that point but she didn't want to because she was worried about being identified by someone and it was really important to her that she's like I haven't told anyone that I know that this is happening to me etc etc and I really wanted to be like why does that matter to you so there's a lot of people out there that perhaps have shame around this like maybe they grew up in a household where you just don't talk about that maybe they're in one of those cultures where at that time of the month it's like impure I don't like it could be so many things but I want to normalize sharing it at this time yeah girl I know I remember actually when I got so I kind of forget like who follows me on Instagram and I think that probably helps me be like super open you know and I remember when I got my period back last summer I again like I said I'm an only child but I'm really close with my cousins and I have an older guy cousin and I went to go stay at his house like that weekend and he lives with his girlfriend and his girlfriend and I are really close and when I walked into their place she gave me this huge hug and she was like congrats I'm so proud of you and then my cousin was like, what, what, what happened? And then we both looked at him and he was like, oh, oh, right. I know what you're talking about. And he was like, yeah, congrats. <laughs> and it was so funny, but you know, it's, I think that's like really funny story. And I kind of forgot about that yeah. until now, but it, it, it's like, we just need to normalize these conversations because there's nothing wrong with talking about and- we all have those like aunties and uncles that are following us on our social litter are just going to be like, what the hell? I, like I totally, my parents' friends all follow me and they all tell my parents what I've been doing. And they're like, did you know your daughter's like drawing all this art and like things my parents don't know about any of it. And um, that's how they find out. But like when I go back home and I see them, it is kind of weird because they because they're just of a generation where it's just super freaking strange that weight gain is being normal. Like I'm one of the people like saying weight gain is normal, saying that you should have your period, like all things that in the eighties or nineties or even like seventies and stuff, you did not freaking talk about. So they think I'm a total alien. Every single person listening has those people like following them. And so I could, I just want to reassure you, yep, you just, sometimes you see them once a year or something like that and they make a comment and it's like kind of awkward and then 
it's over. Hey, they can stop <laughs> following me if they want, right? Like, I think every single time I've had my period since I got it back in August of last year, I have announced on Instagram that I have my period. And I just kind of like forget, like I said, who's following me. I just totally don't think about it. And then I see these people often and it's like, oh, I guess they probably know. Like even my boyfriend's Mm. friends follow me, you know, on Instagram. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird that they know this stuff about me. But like, but it's not at the same time, right? Because again, it's just like, a normal thing that happens to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. And and look, being somebody who's trying to make change in any way is mm-hmm. going to be a little uncomfortable. Like the whole point is that you're talking about something that people don't know about. And being at like at the forefront of something is really, there's a reason that not a lot of, like that someone paves the way for something that no one else has done before. Mm-hmm. So it's okay um guys ladies to chat about it I've had a lot of fun um just meeting people who have been impacted by it and educating guys on it and just it's just cool that's cool. yes it is oh so many awesome friends so, like so many oh yeah periods bring girls together funny <laughs> funny that <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> I know. Uh, thank you so much for this episode. I'm so freaking pumped for people to hear your perspective on the importance of like working on your inner shit. It's so important. It's so different to a lot of the other, like every other interview they do. Every one of them brings up the mindset piece, but they your it's your specialty I feel and it's like your focus so if anyone listening really feels like that's the piece for them that they need the support with I would really encourage them to find Megdol thanks Danny that means so much to me of course where can they find you yeah so on Instagram that's definitely my favorite place to be on social media so I'm I am Megdol over there um easy to find and my website is magdoll.com if you want to find me over there and then I also I guess I do have a podcast called the unbreakable you podcast mm-hmm, and Danny's mm-hmm. been on there yeah yeah if you like this show you like that show mm-hmm. for sure for sure and she has a bunch of episodes on HA as well so you could just like continue down the rabbit hole very thankful for people like you putting things out there about it because there's just not a lot out there about it Thanks, Danny. Yeah, well, this right, guys. is amazing. <laughs> it's just so funny to me. Okay, cool. Um, bye, everyone. Love y'all. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily so if you do that you're doing a service to all of the women